0: Hi, this is Roland Fisher, a lead pastor of Second City Church. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith and ready to take the kingdom of God, wherever you may go. We're so glad that you chose to join us today. And once again, welcome. We are going to go into part two of our new series entitled Covenant. And today's message is actually going to be called define the relationship. Now, if we're going to have an entire series on covenant, we need to understand why covenant is so important to each of our lives. And the truth of the matter is, is that covenant is the basis of all meaningful relationships in our lives. It clarifies our priorities by distinguishing between those relationships with whom we are to build life versus those relationships, and we all have them, that are merely passerbys. Now, most importantly, covenant is the basis of our relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And just as last week, we learned that covenant relationships help catalyze the purposes of God in our lives today we will see how these covenant relationships help maintain vision to fulfill God's purposes. So to that end, we're going to focus on this statement that we will better understand covenant when we know that it is meant to help maintain our vision in God. We're gonna break the message down into three parts. We're gonna talk about opaque times, meaning unclear times when it's hard to see. Secondly, we're going to talk about defining the relationship. And then finally, number three, we're going to talk about Christ, our covenant vision. At the end of the service, we're going to celebrate the sacrament of communion. So we invite you to join us during that time. But before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that you continually remind us of the covenant you've established with us through Christ and also the importance of the covenant that you have us establish with one another. By your word today, help us grow in that, helping us to grow in the strength of covenant today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today, if you have a Bible, let's open again to 1 Samuel chapter 23. We're picking up where we left off last week where David and his men were on the run from King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Now, David had met a group of men being on the run from Saul in the cave of Adullam. And there he met 400 men who were in debt, in distress and discontent with life. But it said that through their relationship, the covenant relationships that David was forming with these men, not only would they grow from 400 men to 600 men while being on the run from Saul, but eventually these men with whom David was in covenant would become David's mighty men to help him extend his kingship all throughout the land. So let's pick up in that story today in chapter 23, verse 15, which says this, that David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh, and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Haresh, and Jonathan went home. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh, on the hill of Hekelah, which is south of Jeshimon? Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Go, make yet more sure no one see the place where his foot is and who has seen him there for it is told me that he is very cunning see therefore and take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information then i will go with you and if he is in the land i will search him out among all the thousands of judah and they arose and went as if ahead of saul now david and his men were in the wilderness of my own in the arabah to the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of my own. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of my own. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. So powerful passage once again. So what is God teaching us from this passage and what can we learn from this biblical example? Well, first of all, we see that David and his men were having to pass through opaque times. And what we see about covenant is that covenant relationships help us see God clearly during challenging times. And it's easy during challenging times to lose focus hope, and vision for the ultimate high calling that we have in God. During this pandemic, it's been difficult for many people, and maybe that's been your story. Well, during trying periods, it's natural, and no one needs to beat themselves up, but it's natural to begin to ask ourselves questions like, what is God's end game? And what's the point of all this suffering, and when will it end? And how do I protect God's vision for my life and continue in faithfulness in the midst of it all. Well, this is the challenge through which David and his men undoubtedly had to press while being on the run from King Saul. And as David and his men continued their flight, they moved through Ziph, a town in the Judean mountains. Unfortunately, just like the people of Keilah, who we just read about last week, The people of Ziph were willing to give up David and his men to King Saul. And here we see yet another difference between those with whom you are in covenant and those relationships that are not. Now, what we're going to say is that people of biblical covenant see what God sees, what others do not see. And the question is, is do you really think that the People of Ziph would have been willing to give David and his men up if they truly realized what God was doing, that God was going to make David king. Probably not. They would have rejected Saul and said, David, we're all about your business and hiding you and come into our home trying to curry favor with David. But most people in this world will only treat you with what their natural eyes can see they will relate to you based on your gender, your ethnicity, your past, your present socioeconomic status, your credentials, or even your experience. People of covenant, however, have the ability to focus on God's future prospects and calling on our lives. The people of covenant invest in you, labor for you, and fight for the promise of God in you, long before it materializes. And that's why covenant relationships are so important. Though David's condition was far worse than in a couple chapters back, 1 Samuel 20, when David and Jonathan um, had first renewed their covenant with one another, when, J- when Jonathan goes to see David at Horesh, Jonathan is able because he's in covenant relationship with him and he has eyes to see what God sees, Jonathan is able to see even more clearly that David was gonna be king. And both David and Jonathan, uh, it was significant that Jonathan was able to see this because both Jonathan and David were actually of the family of Saul. Now, Jonathan, so, so that you know, was Saul's son and he was the natural heir to the throne. In the natural sense, he would have more than likely have been the second king of Israel. David, on the other hand, was King Saul's son-in-law, who King Saul, in the midst of his jealousy, suspicions, and hatred of David, brought David near. Sort of along the old adage of, you wanna keep your friends close, but your enemies even closer. King Saul brought David near through marriage to his daughter Michal but was the god, but David he knew was the god appointed successor to the throne because of Saul's perpetual disobedience to god now Jonathan in his covenant relationship with David acknowledged through that covenant that god had a greater covenant that, that Jonathan needed to acknowledge And that greater covenant was the one that God was establishing with David beyond the natural, bringing David into the kingship that God had promised him. And Jonathan's trust in the Lord, reflected in his great exploits in 1 Samuel 14 and others, enabled him to receive whatever role the Lord had for Jonathan. It enabled Jonathan to encourage David in God's promises, even when it meant that Jonathan would not himself be king. And what a, what a leap of faith that was. What a trust in the Lord that was. When Jonathan said, I will be next to you, it meant that Jonathan would be second in rank, but he was abdicating his understanding that he would be The heir to the throne. He was saying, I will be next in rank to you, but David, you're the heir. And how powerful this is when people are released from striving and feeling like they always need to push themselves forward above or over others in their lives whether it be in their family, their friendships, their workplace, it's a freedom that God brings us into through covenant. And what that does is it allows us to see clearly. When we're freed of that striving, it allows us to see clearly and see what God sees. And being able to say, I'm not the top dog I'm second or whatever place God has for you enables you to fulfill the purpose of God by walking in the strength of your role. Covenant actually releases us from the sinful fruit of envy because we are able to walk in the security that God has given us importance and an invaluable contribution through the covenant relationships that he's given us. As Aslan reminds us in the Chronicles of Narnia, you doubt your value, but you don't need to run from who you are. You will not be overlooked by God who establishes covenant with you, and you will not be forgotten by those whom he's given you to walk in covenant. And when we have that security in us, we're able to pursue the defining of our relationships. We understand that covenant relationships need to be intentional to actually be fruitful. And the truth is, is that covenant relationships are based on commitment and not convenience however commitment can be difficult at times and challenging to maintain many of you've gone to university or college and you can think about the difference between the relationships the friendships that you fell into in your college experience when you were living in dorm life right the only way the 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 way the only thing you needed to do to make friends was really walk out your door and bump into somebody on the way to class compare that to adult relationships where you have to pull out a planner and a scheduler and really coordinate all the different children and the activities and the work assignments that you're continually having to juggle. It's actually much more of an effort now than it was back then. And when we are constantly pushing past this, people often ask the question, Isn't it enough to just be in relationship with the people you've always known or with whom you've always been familiar? Well, is it? Or does God have something more for you? Well, God definitely has more for you if your friends have consistently and always been accomplices to perpetual sin patterns in your life. Meaning that if the people that you're hanging out with are the people that you get drunk with, the people that you do immoral activities with, the people that you get high with, the people that you um, actually uh, chase women with or do all types of unscrupulous things with, then God definitely has a better and a higher way for you and covenant relationships other than those that he wants to use to give you vision for his life and purpose in him. As 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. And what God's trying to bring us into are defined covenant relationships that bring us, give us vision for his kingdom purposes and help us fulfill them. But people also ask at the same time, why should I have to make effort if we're supposed to be in covenant with people? Shouldn't things just be Organic. Shouldn't things just come and come about naturally? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that loving people over any extended period of time, and you will find this if any of you get married or you've been in a marriage for any period of time, any love for people, any covenant relationship over an extended period of time will eventually take sacrifice. Your number will eventually be called and the requirement for that covenant relationship to be successful will come. Sacrifice is actually the mark of covenant relationship. And remember in the scripture above that David, when he was on the run from Saul, stayed in the strongholds while Jonathan went home. So for them to relate, for them to see one another, they had to make effort. It didn't just fall into their lap, they had to inconvenience themselves. We also see that commitment is expressed at times in unpleasant but necessary counsel. When I reference 1 Samuel 20, that's when David and Jonathan first renewed their covenant with one another. It was at the time when David finally got word from Jonathan that he needed to flee from the kingdom of Saul because Saul was gonna try to kill him. And we see Jonathan telling David truths that he didn't wanna hear that would ultimately save David's life. Though David served valiantly under Saul, Saul was now turned against David and intent on killing him. And Jonathan let him know that he needed to flee, letting him know not only the places he didn't need to go, but the people with whom he didn't need to associate so that he could actually come into the promise of God. And we all need God-appointed people who we trust in our lives to do this. So when we make covenant with people, What are some of those distinguishing marks of covenant? Well, I wanna give you four marks of covenant that help you define the relationship. Number one is you are intentional with the relationship. You don't wait for ideal circumstances for covenant to fall into your lap. Jonathan went to meet David at Horesh and he didn't wait for David to show up during easier, more pleasant times. Number two, you define the relationship so that you both have a clear understanding of your covenant expectations with one another. Again, going back to marriage as a, an example, whenever you marry someone, you are, beset, you are saying to your spout, to your spouse, to the forsaking of all other persons, I pledge my love to you. Meaning I'm not gonna have somebody or something on the side, it's you and you alone from this point forward. Even when we make our covenant with God, that's the same thing we do with God, right? To you alone do I give my worship to the exclusion of all other gods. You alone are God, I honor you alone. Clear expectations. Number three, you inconvenience yourself to make the covenant happen. You will have to make ongoing and repeated effort to maintain and reestablish your covenant relationships. Again, this was at least the third time that David and Jonathan were reestablishing their commitment to one another. The first being after David had killed Goliath, the second being when he started fleeing from Saul, David started fleeing from Saul. And then now again, as Jonathan came to strengthen David and the Lord. But none of us need to have a one-and-done mentality in regard to covenant relationships. It would almost be like the husband who never told his wife that he loved her. And she came to him one day and said, "'Honey, do you love me anymore?' And he said, "'Of course I do.'" Didn't I tell you when I said I do? (laughs) And of course, that's not good enough. You need to continually reaffirm and reestablish the covenants that you make with the people that God puts in your life. But number four, what that also means is that you diligently strengthen one another's hands in God. This is what Jonathan did for David. What that means is you purposefully and regularly remind one another of the promises of God. This allows you and those with whom you're in covenant to see clearly in the midst of the long fight of faith. This is what Jonathan did for David, reminding David of the certainty of God's promise to bring him into the kingship despite the optics of his then present circumstances. This is important because as Pastor Craig Rochelle, who is the pastor of Life Church and uh, really the one of the creators of Version, which many of you use for your Bible app, he said this, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts so you need covenant relationships that will continually lift those thoughts to god to strengthen you in him even in the midst of the fight of faith now covenant will also bring you to the word of god to show you that life is not all about you and we see from saul's reaction to the people of Ziph in that first samuel uh, scripture that we read that his focus, Saul's focus was continually on himself. And he said to the people of Ziv, may you be blessed for you've had compassion on me. In the midst of his murderous pursuit of David, he said, may you be blessed, may the Lord bless you because you've had compassion on me. And Saul was so removed, so out of touch, so distant from the word of the Lord, at this point in the word of God, And so warped in his thinking that he felt that anyone helping him fulfill his murderous campaign was actually worthy of God's blessing and was actually being loving. That's the deception that a lot of people walk in nowadays, that if somebody tells them what their itching ears want to hear, meaning they approve of the sin that they're involved in, somebody says, oh, it's fine if you sleep around. It's fine if you get drunk. Um, um, on a regular basis. It's fine if you cheat and steal. If you do all these things, it's fine. Don't worry, God's with you. Then those people are actually being loving towards them because they're leading them to a life that actually makes them happy. But that's a deception and it's a lie. Saul was deceived, he was in error here. And we see that by exposing the whereabouts of David and his men, the people of Ziph were equally as sinful because all that they were all they were doing was looking to curry favor with the king for their own benefit and how true it is that myopic people even in the midst of sin can make conversations focus and relationships purely about themselves they take from relationships solely for their own ends without looking to give back. And in many modern relationships, the sad truth is that people can be incredibly self-focused and the relationships can be terribly one-sided even while invoking the name of the Lord. But this is not a defined biblical covenant relationship. Have you ever been in this scenario before? That you're in a conversation with somebody and they can't stop talking. And not only can they not stop talking, they can't stop talking about themselves. And not and then the entirety of the conversation that you're having with them, never asked you one question about yourself or your condition or situation. Well, if you see that, that's what was reflected in Saul and the people of Ziph. And this is not biblical co- covenant. In fact, it's not even good social skill. So keep that in mind. Yet it happens all of the time. And biblical covenant is a mutual care for those involved to the benefit of all parties in the service of the one true king. And this is how when we give ourselves to this mutuality, we're able to keep Christ as our covenant vision. Now, just like David on his trek to becoming king, Christ and the crowning of Jesus as a one true king is every Christian's covenant vision. And ultimately, David was able to persist in faith when he was reminded that God had made a covenant to make him king. This meant that his covenant with Jonathan helped him maintain that vision, being strengthened in the Lord despite the threats on his livelihood. David persisted because God had shown him the end game that you know what this trial this too shall pass and there's an end game where I'm going to exalt you as king and God's covenant people are able to do so today as they maintain the heavenly vision the promise of Jesus being exalted as our resurrected king. We look forward to actually being co-heirs with Christ as he comes to rule over his restored creation. And in the meantime, God's covenant with his people means that God will not give up his people to permanent destruction or failure even if our bodies, our finances, our relationships, because of the persecution of the gospel are destroyed, God says it will not be permanent because there is a life beyond this one. The end of your life now is not the end of the story. There is a resurrection of Christ. There is a resurrection of his people unto eternal life. And it may be hard to see when you're dealing with the threat of things like during the pandemic, like layoffs or the stress of starting a new business venture, remote work, and trying to maintain the equilibrium of family life at home. Yet know that just as Jonathan with David, the covenant that you have with Christ is meant to keep you alive, encouraged, and advancing while God works behind the scenes. Our covenant relationships actually continually remind us of this fact and remind us that our God is a miracle worker. And we see that at the rock of escape in that first Samuel passage, whenever Saul and his men were closing in on King David and his men and how God literally in the last hour came through with a miracle to divert Saul's attention to fighting the Philistines and see David and his men go free. This was what the rock of escape was about. And just as when death was at David's door, God stepped in at the last moment to call Saul away to fight the Philistines. So God is working behind the scenes by the power of his Holy Spirit on behalf of you and his people today it is because of calvary's cross that god has established covenant with you so that jesus has actually become our rock of escape on the cross jesus took the punishment that we deserve diverting satan himself who would come to destroy our minds our bodies and our futures because of sin by christ's resurrection from the dead he gives us forgiveness of those sins and eternal escape from the death that would otherwise claim our lives. It is what God's church will experience even as we navigate the last days full of uncertainty and um, and threat prior to Christ's return. Jesus described it this way in Matthew 24, verses three through 14. He said, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? A lot of times people during turbulent times like the pandemic, they begin to think about end times. Well, Jesus spoke about the end times very clearly. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. And this is interesting because the word nation here is not speaking of a geopolitical entity, but it's actually speaking about ethnicities. And how relevant is that in the midst of the uh, turmoil, the social unrest in our nation today? He said ethnicity, people group will rise against people group. And then also what? kingdom against kingdom, meaning the geopolitical entity against the geopolitical entity. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations, people groups, for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray so again that's a warning be careful of what movements you're following especially during times like these and because lawlessness will be increased the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So God's saying basically that there, the, all of human history is on a march to make Jesus king. Just like all of history at that time was on a march despite the trials to make David king. And covenant is what God uses to communicate his, or his expectations to humanity. But also give us an expectation of him. Covenant is also the very basis of our access to the realities of the kingdom of heaven, including our redemption, the favor that is upon us, forgiveness, our present and future healing, our justification, sanctification, and one day glorification in Christ. Our covenant relationships actually remind us that Christ is the one whom every tongue will confess and before whom every knee will bow, proclaiming him as Lord. And if you haven't done that today, now is your time to do so. Before you experience the judgment of Christ, now is your time to give a free will offering to the Lord, proclaiming him as your king. The promise is true of Jesus even during opaque times and his sacrifice, meaning Christ's sacrifice was perfect. Now he calls us, his covenant people, to the sacrifices that will strengthen us in him, strengthening one another's hands in God to win the lost and make disciples for his glory. We maintain this vision until we see Christ with whom we have covenant, crowned as the one true benevolent king of all the earth. And if you haven't done that today, would you turn away from your sin and come into right standing with God? Because the Bible says that until then, we are all objects of his wrath on the run, not from King Saul, murderous King Saul, but literally from the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full, bringing you into forgiveness and new life in him as you turn your life towards his benevolent rule. And if you've not done that today, would you in the midst of this pandemic, do that with me by praying this prayer with me today? You say, Father God, I admit to you today that just like David, I've been on the run from you. I've been on the run, but I've been living in sin and selfishness and I deserve death and hell. And truth be told, I've been running from you into the arms of the Satan, my enemy, who's been coming to destroy my mind, my future, my health because of the sinful patterns and the sinful decisions that I've been making. And though I know I deserve hell, I don't want it and I ask you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus came and lived the perfect life that I should have lived and on the cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died. But because he was innocent three days later, rose from the dead so I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in him. Would you make me a new creation today and make a home inside of me? God, I proclaim you, Jesus is my Lord today. And I'm asking you to teach me how to love you and follow you the rest of my days in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's established a covenant with you. And so would you go with me to secondcitychurch.com slash new life. And there you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ. And as we uh, finish today, we just want to encourage you to continue to go to our community groups throughout the week where you can continue to strengthen one another's hands in the Lord as we look to keep Christ as our vision and fulfill his purposes together. So please do bring a friend with you to service next week. Let us know how we can pray for you. God bless you. We love you and have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless.